When is the last time you had a Toni Morrison book read to you? Like by insanely cool authors like Margaret Atwood, Tiari Jones, who wrote American Marriage, Britt Bennett, The Vanishing Half, and so many more. We are beyond thrilled to give you a heads up and access to a Thanksgiving weekend reading of Song of Solomon, which, I mean, you can listen to this as you're cooking, folding laundry alone or with your kids, reading along as you listen to what they're saying or however you want to, because we want you to process this masterful piece of history, which is just as relevant now as it was back in 1977 when it was written. Go to Literacy Partners, who is putting on this unique experience to get tickets. And we have a special access code for you, dear podcast listeners, so you can get your tickets for free. All right, let's just talk really briefly about how to do that. You can find the ticketing page at litpartners2020.org backslash Tony Morrison. And you can use the podcast specific access code, which is DWW2020 to receive 100% off your ticket price. We know that you might not be on your phone or at your computer right now, but you know sometimes these things get tricky. So just so that you know exactly how to get your tickets, here's a quick step-by-step before we jump into the podcast today. So at the ticketing page, you'll click get tickets now. I'm literally like clicking with my finger as I'm doing this. There will be a pop-up page and you'll click the link promo code, which is in the upper left and it's in light blue. So you'll enter the code, which is DWW2020, no spaces, and prices should zero out on the page. So then you'll page down to suggested donation options, of which you can say $5 or $20 with a book bundle or zero, and then check out from there. You'll hear more why we think this is an incredible organization too. So if you do want to support adult literacy, I mean, we would recommend making a donation. They're doing this as a big fundraising event. And it's going to be powerful. And so now we've got a little more information about the project, the book, and why we should all be listening this weekend on this week's episode. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that eases you into uncomfortable conversations about race, racism, and how to be a little more anti-racist. We're your hosts, Sarah and me, Sasha. So I wonder if we can start with, I mean, we're about to talk about Song of Solomon, like this is exciting. I would love to put this in context of who you are and why we're having this conversation with you. So could you introduce yourselves, please? Okay. I'm Jordan Pavlin. I am the editorial director of Alfred A. Knopf, and I am on the board of Literacy Partners, an organization that is near and dear to my heart because reading is the cornerstone of my life, and I cannot imagine a world without books. I'm Allison Siplin, and I'm the Director of Special Events with Literacy Partners, and I've worked very closely with Jordan over the last couple of years as a board member. She's absolutely fantastic, and the reading of Song of Solomon, it was actually all Jordan's idea, and we've been here to support her every step of the way. Then we have to dive in, like, why did you pick Song of Solomon? How do you go, like, yeah, let me pull a piece from 1977 and go, this is what we're doing right now. To be honest, once we knew that our major fundraising event of the year would be virtual, the idea of doing a marathon reading was to me a no brainer because it's just such a thrilling literary event. And Song of Solomon, I think is one of the greatest novels of the 20th 
century, I would say one of the greatest novels of any century, one of the greatest novels ever written. And I'm speaking here purely as a reader and as an admirer of Toni Morrison's work. It was certainly a hugely important book in my own life. And like any true work of art, it feels more relevant now than ever. I couldn't agree with Jordan more. You know, in March, we closed our office and classroom spaces, and we had to transfer all of our classes and all of our events online. So, and that was quite a task. So when Jordan came up with this idea, it was absolutely perfect in not only the transition, but to help us reach a much more broader audience through this kind of virtual event. You know, I heard you mention the tie-in with March and COVID, but there was also a lot going on in society in the spring. And so did that play a part in this book choice? Well, 100%. I mean, also, I mean, it was a confluence of many events. One key factor is that Literacy Partners was also honoring the creators of the 1619 Project. Black Lives Matter was a huge force in society in this moment. Tony... You know, her death feels very fresh still to all of us who love her work so much. And it just felt like the most fitting time to take a book like this, which is about four generations of Black life in America, and which is about very much about race and violence and beauty and sorrow and suffering and love and essentially, you know, All of the things that Toni Morrison was striving with in this great novel are that they remain the things that we strive with as individuals and as a society. I think those themes that you just mentioned are so important, I mean, throughout life, but especially as highlighted in 2020. So I, for one, am super excited to revisit this through these authors, you know, each author reading a chapter. And I'm also a lifelong reader and lover of books. And so when I saw these authors' names listed as each reading a chapter, like my brain exploded and I was like, I'm all in, tell me more. So I would love to hear a little bit about that process, like how the authors that are reading were selected and why they wanted to be involved and where is the power in having, you know, so many different voices read parts of this book. It really, it is such a dazzling lineup. And I was so moved by the way each of these writers responded to our request to participate in this event. I mean, essentially we sat down and came up with a list of the greatest living writers of our time. And we approached them one by one. And to a person, the response was, and I'm quoting, I would be so honored to participate in this event. Every single person, the response was, of course. It was just astonishing. And of course, it is a testament to the impact of Toni Morrison's work on contemporary literature. You know, every single one of these writers is someone whose life, whose work, whose experience as a human being was changed by encountering Song of Solomon. And to work with all of these authors was absolutely not only a dream, but it was so easy. 
everyone was easy to get in touch with, to communicate with, and their response in getting back to us with having read an entire chapter was just incredible. And not to give it away, but you'll see each author in their own setting of their choice, maybe at home or in their office or on a porch. And for them to really personalize this reading and to put themselves in it, it's going to be an incredible three days. Are we allowed to talk about the authors, by the way, or is this a surprise until it all gets unveiled? I was just curious. No, we can talk about the authors by all means. Like there was a range of authors, right? There's white authors, there's black authors, there's like When you talked to a Margaret Atwood, for example, who is different than like, obviously people were honored and it's about Toni Morrison and honoring them. Was there any discussion about the underlying themes or anything that came up or was it just, yeah, we're in and we'll read it? Like, like what happens behind the scenes as people are digesting, especially the chapters that they are assigned to read? Well, the first thing is that when you look at what a, what a broad list it is, we felt the most fitting way to honor Toni Morrison was to have the widest possible variety of voices, that her work belongs to all readers and all writers, and that the more we could reflect the world itself in this assembly of great writers, the more fitting it would be as a tribute to her. I'm so excited also because I think that doing this and, you know, you mentioned that this was sort of this big virtual fundraiser and big event and, you know, how big of a reach and an expanded reach that you have this year because of, you know, it's virtual. So, you know, for there may be a lot of people who are listening to and experiencing this that have not before. I'm curious for both of you, you know, who do you want to reach with this project and all what do you hope to see come out of this project? You know, we have created partnerships with colleges, the Toni Morrison Society, with corporations throughout New York and actually throughout the country. If anyone wants to stop our website, it's at literacypartners.org and you can see the people who've offered to reach out on our behalf to their audiences and their networks about this project. So anyone and everyone is welcome. There are, of course, sponsorships that we offered and there are ticket levels, but the majority of the tickets are free because we did not want to limit anyone's access to this project. And so people have been signing up on Facebook. They've been signing up each other. They've been signing up their families and friends really been remarkable to see the response from people who not only love the book, but maybe they haven't heard about the book lately. And I think that a perfect outcome would be know more about the conversations that people are having after the three-day marathon reading. You know, do, are they seeing things differently? Do they want to pick it up and read the book again themselves? And um, I think we might gather people to explore some of those questions, but we really wanted to make sure that everyone had access to all three days without having to worry or think about a ticket price. Can you tell us a little bit about Literacy Partners and the work that you do? The mission of Literacy Partners is and has always been to help adults to improve their English language skills. Not many people realize that there are are many people, close to a million, alone in New York 
who read at a lower level. And they have managed to create incredible lives for themselves by getting by in a way. And at some point, they come into our community to improve their reading skills as adults. It takes an incredible amount of courage to have lived for many years, gone to work, raised families, and then to stop everything to say, I really want to make this change for not only myself, but for my families. And so we have classes in Sunset Park, and those classes are primarily for moms of small children. Not only do the parents get the support they need to improve their English language skills, but that work uh, is passed along to their children so that they improve their learning in school. So we really help two generations, parent and child. And then we have another program in the Bronx where we help young moms with mostly children under you know, five make the transition from high school to college. And so the communities that are built around this kind of learning, they support each other, they keep each other going. And it's quite an incredible thing to see. But the community support, even online, is even stronger. We have more students signing up and we have more volunteers even than we've had ever before who want to help. And so that the structure that we create, the support system that we create for all of our students really makes a difference in the support system that they create for themselves not only at home, but within their own communities in Brooklyn and in the Bronx, it makes quite a difference to the outcome and what they are able to achieve. And then we match all of our students with two volunteers um, at that time to walk them through a learning technique that spoke to that certain student's needs. And in our, our other classes are taught by experienced and degree teachers So they're really getting a high quality level of a learning experience. And another thing that I find incredibly moving about literacy partners is after students enroll in a course, they are given a number of age appropriate and culturally appropriate books to begin building their own home libraries. You know, so, I mean, when you talk about approaching the problem of literacy two generations at a time. And we know that kids who grow up in a home with even a single book have a greater chance of becoming lifelong readers. It's a kind of gorgeous corollary to the work that unfolds in the classroom, trying to create the beginnings of a real home library for a family. These are gorgeous hardcover children's books that they may not have access to. And we donate at least five books per child. So if there are three kids in the family, you know, each child has five books and we do that twice a year. I think that's, you know, I was listening to a webinar about virtual schooling for parents of kids ages five to eight, you know, but one of, they were interviewing people and one of the moms that they had interviewed was saying, you know, it's challenging for me because I'm learning along with my child, basically how to read. And so I don't, know how to support them when, you know, I'm learning this myself. So I was just thinking while you were saying that, how important that work is, especially, you know, as we're looking at schooling becoming 
individual in ways that we had not expected that to be and how powerful that work is and how much of it is for families and for parents who are just trying to do the best they can for their kids. So yeah, I think it's amazing. Some of the motivation behind Song of Solomon in bringing a book to life that it sometimes may be intimidating, you know, the language is so incredible. And even with the many times that I've read it, I literally have to put it down to take a moment to reread a sentence or a paragraph because it's so meaningful. And then I often have had to think about what these words mean to me and the impact on our lives. So to have so many adults sign up for the reading over the Thanksgiving weekend is just um, so exciting for everyone at Literacy Partners. And, you know, I mean, it really, it's such a natural link to Toni Morrison. I'm sure you all know that famous quote of hers, we die, that may be the meaning of life, but we do language, that may be the measure of our lives. I mean, she really believed that narrative itself is a radical act and her books are radical and full of poetry and rage and despair and beauty and suffering. And she was in every book and especially in Song of Solomon, I think, always trying to answer the question, what is true in this world? And with all of the hard truths that she excavated and presented to us, she also always came back to love and abundance. And so there's something so life-affirming about reading this book in this moment, I think. You know, as you were speaking about that, I was thinking about my own experiences with Toni Morrison and how I was young. I probably was in elementary school, maybe later elementary school when I read The Bluest Eye. And it was one of those books where, you know, I had thought it made me think in different ways. And I, those books that she wrote and the way that she used language is so powerful. And so I'm curious what you two think, you know, if she were around to see this, what would she say about this project and how this is unfolding right now? To be honest, (laughs) that question really frightens me. (laughs) I have no idea. You know, I would want her to feel the force of our love for her. You know, I would want her to feel how essential she is to all of us, but I don't dare say what she would think. You know, I certainly know that she would support the cause of literacy, that she would believe in the imperatives of literacy partners. I mean, I remember reading her, I'm not sure where, but she said, access to knowledge is the superb, the supreme act of truly great civilizations. And then she goes on to talk about public libraries as one of the only institutions where this is fully present. And I think she would certainly support anything that can be done to improve literacy in America. I don't know what she would say (laughs) myself, but, you know, I could just hear her voice now. (laughs) But hope that she would point out something that we miss, something that we should think about or ask other people to think about or something that she in her own way would want us to know. Perhaps we've forgotten, perhaps we have not been working hard enough 
and we need a little kick in the pants. But in her way, I would just love to hear her voice again, hear that she's always been there for us and written for us. And that one thing that she wants us to remember. And I was just reminded of and still blown away by her masterpieces. Like she's a different level author. And I'm so glad that this is the piece that we get to talk about and that we get to listen to. So when we're talking about the production for next or for Thanksgiving weekend, you know, I'd love to hear about the logistics around it. And I also am curious, would you recommend people sit and listen, do it piecemeal? Like when you take in her work, like you said, Allison, sometimes you need to pause and appreciate what was just said. Is it something you think we should all sit and listen to consecutively? Should we be reading along as we're hearing authors do this? Should we pause? Like, what do you recommend people think about when they're approaching the production? It would do all three or all four. And there are three days, three or four hours each day. I've cheated a little and I've heard a couple of them and watched the dishes or I tried to find the page and it's almost impossible. So I've really enjoyed, just listen. Each of these authors' voices are so present and every part of them they've put into this reading, but they're all different. And everyone brings this uniqueness of tone or a cultural aspect that we're not expecting. You know, so you might've thought we coached people. We did it a little but we just let people bring into the chapters anything they wanted to. And that's the magic of it. So read, wash the dishes, take a nap, order a pizza, <laughs> call everybody and say, hey, guess what I'm doing right now? But there's no one way. What do you think, Jordan? Well, I'm hoping, to be honest, I mean, for instance, I have three teenagers and I am really hoping to listen to it with all of them in its entirety each day. And I am hoping that there are some public school teachers in New York City who have assigned this as homework for the, you know, as or have in, incorporated it into their English curriculums. I will also be honest and say that in preparation for this, I listened to Toni Morrison's audiobook of Song of Solomon, which she reads herself. And that was such a thrilling experience to, I mean, what really comes out in listening to her reading is not only the poetry, but the humor. You know, we forget how funny it is. And she doesn't let us forget that when she reads it aloud. And I think that will come across too in the reading, the moments of deep humor and wit. So I don't think there's a wrong way to go about it. And I can't wait to, you know, hear the production and talk about the production too, because I think there's so much value as we were, have been all discussing about, you know, what do we learn and what do we hear and what did maybe did we miss? So I can't wait to dive deeper into that. Will there be like a list of questions to think about after, or do we just go to like conversation guides that we find online? Yeah, that's something to think about. We really want everyone to come together over those three days and then we'll figure out how to open it up again, but we will definitely do that. Yeah, I can't wait. Is there anything that we left out that we didn't ask about the production that you want to share with our listeners? Because I'm like ready to hear it right this second. Well, if not, you know, thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. If you love what you're hearing, subscribe to the Dear White Women podcast so you don't miss any of our anti-racist, identity-affirming episodes released every Wednesday. 
Shows that seek to show that we as humans rise by lifting others. Support our Patreon, which allows us to keep making work that highlights different narratives that help us broaden our horizons, including a new monthly virtual community centered around book studies. Want to follow us on social media? We're at Instagram and Facebook at Dear White Woman Podcast. And we're on Twitter at DWW Podcast. And of course, we'll be sending out vital info and opinions via email, which you can sign up for on our website, www.dearwhitewomen.com. Thanks for being part of the conversation. 